Starfighters, welcome to Mad Science Films. I'm Jimmy P, filmmaker and sexual astronaut. First up, guys, please check out our fourth feature film for free over on YouTube. Just search for Little Monster or click on the link in the show notes below. This episode, I am joined by a very special guest, one that we've trying to been arranging to meet up for a while now, but we finally got him and myself in a virtual chat room at the same time. We've got Mr. Tom Lee Rutter of Carney Films. Tom, thank you so much for joining us, man. Absolute pleasure, James. Thanks for having me. I always find, you know, and again, this is probably more with actors, is lots of actors absolutely love working on, on horror films in particular because, you know, they're getting to do stuff which they wouldn't get to do in a, a traditional drama or rom-com or whatever, you know, they're getting to perhaps act a lot bigger or be covered in blood. Some of them hate it. <laughs> and you'll definitely notice from my filmography, there are some people I've worked with once and there's some people who I still work with today. Um, and, and you know, th there's a massive difference. And, and God bless them, because, I mean, similar to yourself, I've done the odd cameo in my films and, you know, I've had one where I've had the contacts in and covered in fake blood and Bless, bless those actors who are well, you able lead by example, do don't you? You know, you lead by example. So I'll get covered in blood. So you got. Yeah, I, I, I led by example once, and I was like, no, nah, not. <laughs> <laughs> well, you know, it's such a, it's, it's, it's as a genre, it's not to be sniffed at at all. You know, it's to be embraced really, especially mm. in indie, because it's a top every genre as well. You can put every other genre into horror. I mean, yeah. actors can be, you know, they can get scenes of romance in there, comedy, dramatic. They can do everything in a horror film. It's great. So they should embrace horror. <laughs> yeah. Now I noticed there were some familiar faces through through a lot of your films. Um, so in terms of like um, when you're writing, do you have certain actors in mind? You know, from from your usual guys, or is it pretty much you're just getting it down and then you're deciding after the fact? Yeah, I, I definitely. I've never kind of held an audition in my life really. It's always. Right, okay. it, I mean, don't get me wrong. Sometimes. Well, I, t I tell a lie, I've put casting calls out, so, you know, I've never held auditions, but I've thrown casting calls out, but that's very rare, because usually I will create roles based on people I know, and ask those to be part of it, you know. Um, there will be gaps sometimes where I'm thinking, well, who could play this, you know, and then, then it's a case of, well, who's up for it, who's available? <laughs> Whereas others, it's definitely set in stone, wrote that for you, wrote that for you. So it's never a case of Right, I'm making a film. Who am I going to cast? It's more like so and so can do this, so and so can do that, and then you sort of get a bit more adventurous and try and ask for people who you know who might be you know sort of name value or whatever, and or yeah. just people you don't know even you know because for me I find it terrifying approaching oh, yeah. people I don't know you know because yeah. you, you know it. it well, you think if it was if it was any other situation, it would be incredibly weird, you know, yeah, approaching, exactly. approaching a total stranger going, do you want to hang out with me in the middle of the night and I cover you with, you know, fake... Well, exactly that. Movies. You're getting someone you don't know to join you at this nondescript location for the day <laughs> and do weird things with you <laughs> together. Weird things together. Then you go your separate ways, you know. Um, it was like with Imogen. I mean, Imogen was great in the scene with the changeling. But we, we, we hadn't met her before, so we were just hoping that we, we you know, gave a good impression and that she liked what we were doing because you never know, do you, sometimes? <laughs> I mean, I, it's got to appeal to actors, especially working on a project like yours, is nobody else is making stuff like that out there. So if nothing else, it looks amazing on their showreels, you know? Well, nothing, you know, like, that's, that's the bit where you're like, oh, okay, you're in effectively this silent black and white film and you're being you know 
you float you're floating around in in space or whatever it's, yeah. it's amazing to look at <laughs> going back to something you said man um especially in in uh pocket film i was genuinely really impressed with the number of yeah, name actors that that you mm-hmm. got you know and and a lot of you know like classic stars from yesteryear i mean obviously there's um pauline pert um caroline monroe oh yeah I love uh, oh oh god oh what's the lynn name? lowry lynn lynn lowry yeah, yeah. Mind blowing. Well, I, I, I mean, mean, that was a dream. I mean, yeah. yeah. So, dream, so I mean, yeah. how, how, did, how did those come? How did those come about, man? Well, um, so Caroline turns out, um, well, turns out Gary Baxter is a good lady. Is good lady Jane. The other is over half. She she actually manages Caroline Monroe. Her name is Jane Crimmins. Lovely lady. And um, so I thought, well, ooh, okay. Do you reckon she might be up for a bit of a role in this? Well, he's like, you know, just get in touch and see what, see what, you know, get in touch with Jane, see what Jane says. She pass it on to Caroline, see what she says. So there was a lot of, you know, back and forth in and to and fro in, but we worked it out. And again, that's where Storyboard came into it because um, I was able to give a good kind of visual representation of what I intended to do. Yeah. Some storyboards and then showed us some, like, you know, stills from other scenes to give her an idea of the palette and all that. And just the general lowdown. And yeah, we, we it happened. We did it. <laughs> it was great. And we got up for the day and um, we shot at uh, High Barnet College, one of the campuses of High Barnet College in London. And that was thanks to my friends, Michael and Lou, who make films as fancy films because they they taught, they teach at the at the college. So obviously the stipulation was we can use the green screen room if their students can you know, get involved with it, which was absolute honour, you know, it was great getting students involved. And so we, we, yeah, we shot in London with Caroline for the day and she was just an absolute beautiful, you know, she's such an angel with great, you know, grace. And bless her, she literally only just lost her husband as well. Oh, wow. um, so she really didn't have to do this and, you know, she did. So bless her for that. Unfortunately, she still hasn't seen the film. I really wanted to see it. Oh, wow, okay. <laughs> hopefully that she gets to see it this year, but it uh, looks like she might have seen it next year now. Right, okay. So, so that was Caroline, anyway. We did, we, you know, she gave us a day. We shot at the college, then we went for a drink over the road or coffee or whatnot. And we just sat watching um, an episode of the Frankie Howard show with Caroline in it. Right, with well. Caroline. And it was so surreal. I was just like, yeah. wow, you, you really are Caroline. And, you know... <laughs> I'd be kind of you know I'd lay out loads of like pastries and stuff for her just just so she just make just to make her aware that it's just going to be like a leisurely day. I'm not going to kind of push her or anything. Mm-hmm. And she had such a good time. It was just a very chilled shoot because we were only getting Caroline's cutaways. You know, yeah. yeah. So we were able to just break every five minutes, and then I'd be like, "So what was it like working with Jess Franco and stuff?" <laughs> Yeah. That's fantastic. Man. I'm, I'm glad it sounds like she enjoyed herself as well. Fanboying, you know. <laughs> yeah, yeah. But I mean, you, you sometimes wonder whether you know some of these stars who you know who worked in like you know like Hammer and, and all of these things, whether they're quite prepared for you know 21st century low budget indie stuff. Yeah, it's true yeah. that is because you know they, they knew what proper sets were, you know, and and there's a completely different time, wasn't it, for the the industry. Uh, but then you get like Pauline Pert, who was like, "Yes, I said I would be in your film, so I'll be in your film." I'm like, "Yeah, okay, let's let's get it sorted." And then so I got a location, but it was in Stoke-on-Trent, and obviously Pauline's down in 
And I said, Pauline, it's in Stoke. So if you don't mind, you know, being whisked up here for the day and then back down again, would that be all right for you? I said, I'd do it, so I'll do it. <laughs> so she came up with some friends, Martin Payne and uh, and Sing, Sing yeah. Lal, and, uh, you know, she was filming for what? Two hours and then back down again, you know, it's bad. <laughs> but she did it, she loved it, and she's yeah. great. Bless her. <laughs> And yeah, how, how did you get Lynn? Was Lynn over in the States then? Yeah, yeah. Did, did, it, uh, did it come across? <laughs> Do you know what? No, it works. It works. And again, with my audience hat, probably not, but with my filmmaker one and, and knowing who she was, I was just like, but it did take a while. It took it took me a moment. I was just like, wait, is that? Wow. <laughs> yeah, she's very smart, Lynn, because what Lynn does is she'll, she'll contact indie filmmakers and be like, it'd be great to work with you sometime. And then the fanboys like me go, oh, Lynn Lowry wants to work with me. And uh, and then it was a case of, well, how are we going to do that? She's in the States. And then uh, I was looking at the script, some bits that I hadn't filmed yet. And I'm thinking, right, well, okay, so maybe I can put in a little piece here to break things up a bit yeah. <laughs> about things that you do with your hands. And maybe she could illustrate that for us by being a floating head, you know? Yeah. yeah. So it was a case of right, Lynn. So um, are you able to wear like sort of you know black up to your neck and then give yourself yeah. a black backdrop, give yourself some kind of you know silent era makeup, and then I think it was a case of giving her the dialogue, which was obviously very informational. She did, I don't she did not get it. I don't think one bit. Right. Okay. <laughs> I think I kind of I, I sort of recall her saying in an email that you know it's very very hard, but I'll do it. <laughs> And it was a case of right after you say that, look left, and then after you say that, look look, look right. Yeah. And then yeah. she bore the accent herself. You know that was all her. But it was a case of I was just kind of just giving all the technical directions really, so I could just manipulate it later. Yeah. And she sent it through, and obviously because it was on a sort of phone, I was dreading it. I was thinking, well, what have we got here? Is it like you know, sort mm -hmm. of, have I got some zoom zoom footage to play with here, or is it shot on everybody? <laughs> what, what's that Nokia one with the with the game of snake on it? Yeah. Um, so, but no, it was great, you know. And yeah, I, I so would have guessed. I would not have guessed it was shot on a phone. So that no, is... well, yeah. I mean, and then you know, I think that that after that year, I was just spent in the editing room editing Lynn Lowry, and, and you can't believe it, can you? You know, I mean, with Caroline as well. Obviously, I shot her cutaways. That was what February. February 2020, so obviously a couple of months later, we were in COVID. Yeah. And, and then I shot the cutaways of Caroline's scene the same day I shot Pauline Pert's scene. So, right. so in that same location, again, you've only got the location for a day. So, right, get Pauline's scene done with the seance, then go upstairs with the witches. <laughs> right. Yeah. Wow. And then we had the big pentagram on the floor. So then the witches were like, you know, being very paid. In fact, they were just happy looking around this. It was called the Haunted Museum and Spirit Shop in Stoke. It's basically a, an old building filled with loads of haunted artifacts and stuff like that. Oh, in Stoke, is it? Yeah, yeah, Stoke. Yeah, yeah, I, Stoke. I've, yeah, been, yeah. I've been there long, long time oh, ago. Oh, there you go. You've been, yes. Well, that's where we shot the seance and the the the, the other half of the Witches' Sabbath. Wow. So, obviously, Caroline was just then being intercut with them. So, obviously, Caroline was on my timeline for a couple of years, and I was like, oh, I, was, I still want to finish this scene, but... So how did life. you go? How did you go about kind of stitching those two bits together? Then did you did you have the shots ready to go on set, and you were like, okay, we need you here and here on the frame, or was it? Much yeah, there was some some of that. Yeah, um, 
it was kind of studying where which way Caroline was looking sometimes, and then it was like right, fucking. But then a lot of it was so sort of, you know, fragmented that because it, it's sort of creating a vibe. It doesn't yeah. need to be linear sort of thing. Yeah. But as long as they're kind of looking one way, and then Caroline seems to be looking at them, or sort of in their direction, <laughs> then I think we've just about kind of managed. But um, so timeline wise though, the film had to be spread over about 10 different timelines because the layers on those timelines were so thick uh, yeah I bet I, I was going to ask if there's any chance you can get us a screen grab of yeah your, your layers like because okay, I'll get you a screen grab a filmmaker, I'm like okay you know that that background is one <laughs> you know <laughs> at least at least one actor maybe two actors are on you know film separately and then you've got the overlays and then the grays and oh yeah yeah Yeah. i mean um so the witch's sabbath will be the great example for that because that's where i uh, use the most i think at one point we're up to 20 layers wow yeah just over 20 because um each you know the the, like when you start putting in the smoke and stuff like that sometimes that's what four or five deep and yeah, yeah, I'll, I'll I'll get your screen grab of the of the witch. Yeah, you're good, good man. Again, oh no 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 no. Yeah, <laughs> when uh, when I've done stuff with like the the found footage uh, stuff, it's that's part of the appeal for for me for found footage and and all of this stuff is being able mm-hmm. to like basically fuck up the image as much as possible and degrade it, which again you can't do in a traditional narrative film like yeah. when we, uh, our fourth film, Little Monster. There was no, you know, that's a traditional shot film. So there was no bits where I could go, oh, I'd really like to like pixelate and then, yeah, you know, kind of do a, a spectrum blur. So the, the reds and the blues are out here. And <laughs> and so watching something like, um, yeah, Pocket Film and just seeing, you know, how it's built up, like just I've, hats off to you, man. Hats off oh, to you. Cheers, man. Thank you. Well, again, and, it's and I, I can only that. imagine how long some of that must have taken to render. Yeah, very much. Yeah. <laughs> well, it got to the point where it start, would start just not handling it. So it'd say, nah, that's not happening. So what, what I'd start doing was flattening things. Yeah, so yeah. I, you'd have to get to a point where you start flattening it to kind of you know, take up less layers and, and just and put it back on itself. So it's sort yeah. of like food will eat itself sort of stuff. <laughs> yeah. And I love I love uh, your, your other little cameo as the filmmaker. Just, yes, on the something blue. That was that that was a bit where I was just like, yeah, absolutely. <laughs> and, well, yeah, and anything goes, isn't it? Anything goes. What I love is, you know, like from memory, um, you know, I thought Bella and and Pocket Film were very similar until mm. you know rewatching them again recently. And the care you've taken to kind of age Pocket Film very differently, especially with that kind of silver nitrate kind of look to it. Yeah, absolutely, yeah. I absolutely well, love that. I mean, Bella's. I mean, looking at Bella now, obviously, much like I imagine you do it some of your old films, you think, "Oh, I, I would have done that differently now," you know. Um, but it is what it is, isn't it? So it's all a case of trying to refine that each time. A pocket film was another chance to refine the sort of same tools I was using, but yeah. obviously just using them better. Whereas now it'll be a case of using better cameras and and seeing how I can carry over that sort of vibe, but not repeat myself, but at the same time refine it. You know, that yeah. sort of thing. Yeah, because I just love playing with those sort of textures. You know, they might not be genuine, but it's about what you do with it, I guess, isn't it? And it's all oh, about absolutely. it's all about tracing an intuition, uh, you know, yeah. and, and a vibe, isn't it? Yeah. Absolutely, absolutely. And I think I think that's much more uh, important than yeah, authentic and yeah, only shooting on Super 8 or anything like that. Yeah, exactly. What, what, what I like 
what I like and what what feels different between Pocket and 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 Bella. And I know you're saying this is more of a because of you know how you've evolved as a filmmaker. Mm, yeah. Um, but the two things do feel you know very different to each other. You know, again, I can imagine um, you know uh, Bella being almost part of those kind of short films that they they sometimes slip in between like the features on talking pictures or something like that you know like one of those oh, nice. yeah, yeah. documentary cool. kind of things it feels very much like that whereas yeah when you're looking at um pocket film that feels much more of its its own piece uh, you know and again that kind of goes back to it, it's hard to describe like I, I was comparing it to like Haxon earlier but oh yeah but, yeah what if Haxon was like yeah recut by the British Roger Corman. <laughs> oh yeah, I, know, I love all that. I mean, Haxon, Haxon is a massive influence. I mean, I, I'm not going to deny it because, you know, you, you can't pull the wool over the eyes of a, a, a silly buff, can you? You know, so it's like, no, I'm completely ripping off Haxon and I will continue to rip it off as much as I can. <laughs> but as I say, you, you absolutely bring your own flavour to it, um, which is, you know, and, and all of these other inspirations and influences turn it into something completely different you know yeah well um, the thing is with, with Bella it was um there was a con uh, with Bella it was a built-in story it was a really good story it's like yeah. it's a local piece of folklore but when I finished that I've you know I was very conscious not to repeat myself I didn't want to find just another good folk story and tell that so I figured well let's not rely on story for once <laughs> let's try and do something a bit more use the same sort of you know techniques and sort of vibes and stuff but let's be a bit more funny with it, I guess. So obviously, pocket films got a big emphasis on comedy and and whatnot. I'm guessing the next one, I might try and do something a bit more serious again.